Hi, you're listening to a podcast brought to you by the teaching team at New Life in North Lincolnshire. New Life is committed to helping transform people and transform places through the love and power of Jesus Christ. We hope you, in some small way, will be blessed and transformed by this message. Hey, I've got a new job. I, I went for a new job a couple of months ago. I've, I haven't been for a job interview for decades decades and I went for a, a job interview. We've had a, just a little bit of a reshuffle here on staff and it allowed me to free up some time. And uh, I went for a job uh, to be the mental health chaplain at Great Oaks. And uh, I was a little bit nervous, but I... Oh, thank you. And, um, and I went... I haven't told you whether I've got it yet. Okay. So I went there. I went to the interview and um, it, was all, it was all nice. And I, I pulled myself, poured myself a... a, a glass of water and, and it overflowed and went all over the, all over the table and all over the papers and everything and they, the interviewer said to me, said to me, are you, are you nervous Mr Westfield? I said, no, I always give 110%. I said, um, look, that last bit is a complete lie. I made it up. I made it up. Um, but no, I am now the mental health chaplain at Great Oaks and I've been there a couple of months and uh, I go in two days a week and it, it's... It's fabulous, and it's just wonderful to be able to see um, hope appearing in people's lives when you talk to them and you just have normal conversations with people. It's great. So do uh, pray for me in that setting. And I can also say that Dan Scoose is also the chaplain at the local rugby club now as well. I don't know where Dan is, but he's right at the back there. So give Dan a round of applause. That's, that's fantastic. So um, we are uh, ending today a mini-series called Essence. It's season two of this series. 18 months ago I did uh, season one. And I'm not going to do a recap of where we've been this morning, even though we do have the time to do it this morning. Just catch up on podcast. Okay, newlifechurch.uk forward slash podcasts. Or on, it's not called iTunes anymore. It's called Apple Podcasts or, or on Spotify or anything like that. Just search for New Life Talks and search for Essence and you will find uh, five previous talks. Uh, and the reason it's called Essence is because what we're dealing with is not just good, that's, it's not just something that's good for our discipleship and our own personal growth, but they're things that are part of the essence, the flavor, the culture of new life, some things that we hold dear to. Not doctrinal things, that's not what we're talking about here. Not certain dogmatic things that are, the stakes are planted so firmly in the ground that they're never movable, but some things that just define new life. When people come in and they, they smell what new life's like, that's what we're talking about when we talk about essence. And this morning I'm going to talk about a flowing, not full. Can you say that? Flowing, flowing not full full. Um, but before I get going, let's read together, as I'm in, in the habit of doing, getting you to read the Bible out loud. Didn't Diane read really well this morning, by the way? Thank you, Diane. Fantastic. Um, uh, so some would describe this little passage that we're about to read, they would describe it as the birthday of the church. Uh, and who am I to disagree with the great and the good who've named this passage as that? you find it in Acts Chapter 2, the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2. Let's, let's have a go at reading it out loud together. 
when the day of Pentecost... Okay, have a go at reading it out together. Better than that. Okay, there we go. <laughs> when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly from heaven came the sound of a wind, and it filled the house. Tongues as of fire appeared and rested on each of them. All were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages. There were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. At the sound, a crowd gathered, amazed and bewildered, because each heard them speaking in the native language of each. Let's pray, shall we? Uh, take a hand, if you will, and just pop it near your heart. Father God, we thank you. You give us every, every opportunity we have. We've already had opportunity this morning to pray for people, to give thanks for things that you've got up to. We've had opportunity to worship and to praise you. And now, Lord, we have opportunity just to, to feast a bit on what you want to say to us. So will you give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to obey in your name. And everyone said, Amen, Amen. amen. There is in the Bible a clear, very clear and wonderful thread of fullness. Right from chapter 1 of the Bible, right through to the end, if you were to decide to do a Bible study or a, a word search or some kind of detective story on fullness, the Bible would be a great place to go to. And maybe you want to do that in your, your small groups. Have a look at what fullness looks like through the Bible. And, and there are various words used for fullness and for full uh, whereas in English, we just have that one word. In, in the Bible, there are many words that the authors could choose to use it. Uh, and they used words that kind of describe things like full to the brim or fully satisfied or fulfilled. We would use different words for those kind of things, but... But they use these spectacular, beautiful words that I can't say in Hebrew and Greek to define things like that. But one thing is clear, that throughout the whole of the Bible, there is a thread of fullness. Um, God, do you know God wants you to be full? He wants you to be full. And God wants you to be fulfilled too. And that would be an interesting thing for you to look at in small group too. What is there in scripture that tells me that God, the creator God, wants me, little me, to be fulfilled in life? And it's all there. It's in there from the mouths of people who struggled with their lives, like some of the psalmists who had real messed up lives, and, and we can read their messed upness coming out in prayer and worship through the great prophets through the mouths of Jesus and, and the apostles, a sense that God wants us to be fulfilled. He wants us to be fulfilled, of course, by what is good and proper for us. Because lots of people want to be fulfilled. And the thing they choose to be fulfilled by are not always good things. Or things that are proper for them. 
or things that are designed for them, or actually things that pull against their truer identity. But God does want us to be fulfilled. And, and if I could have the time to go around every row and put my hands on your shoulders and look you in the eye, I would remind you of that. That your father looks down and he names you and he says, my design for you is that you are fulfilled. Now we know ultimately, ultimately, when, when God has brought his kingdom in fully and everything is as it should be in the future, a new heaven and a new earth, that, that there will be an entire fulfillment of everything. But there is something in this life where you and I can lift our eyes to a good father and say, Lord, I want, I want good things that match me. You design me. I want to be fulfilled. I, I want to know I'm, I'm in your plan, in your purposes. Will you match for me things that are good and fulfilling, purposeful in my life? That's a good prayer to pray. So God wants us to be full. He wants us to be fulfilled. But also through the Bible, there is a, also a thread, not just of fullness, um, but of overflow. Overflow, flowing over. There's a principle in the Bible of overflow. And you can't escape it. Just as much as you see fullness in the Bible, you see overflow in the Bible. And again, you see it from chapter 1. And I guess if I had time, I, we, we could do a little bit of a study of, of overflow. But we haven't got time to do all that. But Psalm 23, who knows Psalm 23? Right in the middle of it. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know that section? You lay a table for me in the presence of my, you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. We sang it in a, an old song this morning. My cup overflows. And that's Psalm 23, and most of us in this room, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, have said Psalm 23, and there right in the middle of it is this thing, my cup overflows. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. This is the words of Jesus when he's talking to his followers. He, he's talking about asking and, and God, the good Father, giving you. And he, and he says, uh, give, and it will be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over, overflowing. Give, and it will be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And so do a search for overflow. I mean, don't particularly put that word in. You won't find it like that. It will be phrased in different ways. But there is a principle of overflow. And not just those things, but stories about bounds and stories about vats and stories about threshing floors and rivers and cups. And a lot of talk about hearts overflowing. A lot of talk about deeds and acts overflowing. A principle of overflow in the Bible. Everyone say fullness. fullness. And everyone say overflow. overflow. So I just want to talk about three things this morning. This is how we're going to go. Uh, I'm going to talk about overflow, but sort of in reverse order. I'm going to talk about overflowing, then fullness, and then emptiness. Is that all right? Then we're going to do a little pause. 
I'm going to uh, lead us in prayer and maybe just a bit of opportunity for people to do some business with God. We're going to talk for two more minutes and then we're going to finish there with that big song again at the end. Is that all right? That's my plan. And I told you last week how to make God laugh. Tell him your plans. Okay, so that might not happen, but that's my plan. That's where we're going. So, a little about overflow. Here's the first thing I want you to get. God designed you to overflow. I love it. Shall we get them all to do that? Okay. God designed you. Oh, you've got to say me, haven't you? God designed me to overflow. Now say it like you mean it. It's true. Right at the beginning of this story that the Israelites wrote to, to determine their importance and their relationship with, with God, it talks about the land. The land just didn't stay the land right at the beginning of Genesis. What did it do? It overflowed. It overflowed with creeping things that creepeth. <laughs> I, I remember, I, I grew up reading the King James Version. I always find these things. So the land just didn't stay land. However beautiful the land was, it, it overflowed and it produced creeping things that creepeth. And the sky, the sky, however beautiful it was, our atmosphere just didn't stay an empty, beautiful sky. It produced flying things that flyeth. <laughs> it's absolutely great. And the sea, however beautiful and refreshing it was, produced swimmy things that swimmeth. <laughs> Those last two aren't in the Bible. Okay, they're not phrased that way. But, but it's there. Can you see right at the beginning that God, God didn't just speak into existence static things that stayed beautiful. He produced things that produced. And even the things that were produced, plants, trees, seeds, and all these kind of things, they were designed to produce more stuff. Right from the beginning of the story that we count so precious is overflow. God produces, he loves to produce things that produce other things. Flowing over, spilling over. There is uh, nothing that I can find designed by God whose usefulness is only to itself. There is nothing designed by God whose usefulness is only to itself. Even in the most basic of senses, when you look out at a beautiful thing, a star, a distant star, a planet, the Venus as it rises and you look it out, at the most basic minimal level, you are taking enjoyment from something that exists. Its usefulness isn't just for itself, it's for other things. When Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, he uses lots of different examples. And one of my favorite ones, he talks about it being like a tree, like a seed that turns into a, a tree and it spreads out its branches. But the tree isn't just there to be useful to itself. What happens immediately? Jesus tells the story the birds come and nest. In its branches. What a beautiful picture of the kingdom. A tree isn't just useful to itself. It's useful for everything else. 
And you could go through the whole of nature and say, well, what about this and what about that? And when you see how it works with other things and that its usefulness spreads beyond itself, why would you be any different? Why would you be any different? How can we even dare to live a life that's self-centered or selfish or when we look through our eyes, presume that we can just do, say, and behave how we want because, because I'm me and God just loves me and it's about my relationship with God, whereas God designed you to be far more useful than just yourself. If he does it for trees and he does it for plants, if he does it for stars, he'll do it for you. You exist and you are precious and all his love is focused on you. But you are for more than that. You are designed for overflow. There is a, uh, there's been lots of research done. I, I was surprised how much research has been done about fulfillment and happiness. And how happiness is got and gained and how happiness can be retained and stay constant in your life. So many scientific studies are done over it and, and they're worth uh, looking at. The latest one is, was in 2018. It was published in the Journal of Social Psychology. It's not very long. It's quite interesting to read. And uh, uh, this is one of its summaries. Uh, Compassion-led kindness increases happiness and well-being in the giver. And it goes on to say, and this isn't on the screen, whether done with strong or weak social ties. Let me say that again. Compassion-led kindness increases happiness and well-being in the giver, whether done within strong or weak social ties. In other words, they're saying this, if you want to feel happier over the next seven days, have a greater sense of well-being and happiness and fulfillment in seven days' time. Here's something you can do each day from now to guarantee that. Do more kind acts. Start now. And whether you do those kind acts within your close social ties or whether you do those kind acts to a stranger where there's a weak social tie, the result is exactly the same. I mean, naturally things happen, things to do with oxytocin and those kind of things, but far more than that, 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 that can't be explained uh, just as this sense of fulfillment, of well-being. Isn't that interesting? I mean, if there's anything just in a small way that says something about overflow, about spilling over is built into the human psyche. It's, it's that study. And of course, the, it just matches the Bible. Give and it will be given to you. How will it be given to you? Will it just drop from heaven? What is the it? Well, I know this. I know that when we, when we see that we are designed for overflow and we give some it to the whosoevers, then something is given back to us. I don't know what the it is. 
And I don't know who it comes from, whether it's from God or whether it's from other creation, but something comes back to others. And even in a physical, natural realm, we feel happier, have a greater sense of well-being, and are more fulfilled. Just on a basic, natural, pragmatic level. Isn't that interesting? And I think that's helpful for us as church folk and as people in a Pentecostal church. Because sometimes we can go straight to the kind of spiritual, ethereal level and say, God wants me to be full, you know. Full. I'm not sure what that means, but you know what I mean. Just fill me, Lord. Fill me. Right? But actually, just on a general level, you want to feel fuller. You want to feel more fulfilled. You want to feel better about life and your place in it. Start doing kind acts today. Seven days time, fill in a chart. Do I feel more fulfilled, happier, greater sense of well-being than seven days ago? It's likely to be higher. Give and it will be given to you. Now, of course, I've purposely not talked about the ethereal kind of spiritual things, but we understand that you would expect me to talk about that, that when we come together in a place like this, there is nothing wrong with praying, Holy Spirit, come, fill me. And the Spirit of God searches the spirit of man, the poet wrote in the Old Testament. The Spirit of God searches the spirit of man. It's like a lamp. God loves to fill, he loves to give, he loves to bless. So on both levels, on a, on a real human, earthly level, let me urge you, as the Bible urges you, to understand overflow. And when you leave this place today, you leave this service today, the real service starts. Look for people to serve. This is a place where you worship and you, and you eat. You eat soul food and spirit food. Out there is where you serve. Uh, and if the studies are to be to believed and if the Bible is to believed, if you serve out there, you will have a greater sense of your fulfillment, both spiritually and naturally. Is that good? Good. Here's the second point. Fullness... Fullness is a poor destination. Okay, so we started with overflow, right? We agreed this together. God designed me, he designed you to overflow. Here's the second thing. Fullness is a poor destination. Dare you say that one out loud? Fullness is a poor destination. Do you know, we can be full of so many things. Um, I guess if we made a, a list in this place of things that we're full of, then it'd be astounding what's on that list, but we just have to look at society and communities. We just have to look at the way humans live and the way humans work together, the way humans entertain together. You okay, Katie? Someone just maybe help Katie. Might need a glass of water, I think, or something. Thank you. Um, look, we can be full of food. Right? Anyone ever been full of food? Oh, there was one day this last week I, had so, I couldn't sleep. Anyone get like that? You used to eat too much, too late. And you just think, oh, my goodness. Right? Yeah, you yeah, shouldn't have eaten that. That's right. You can be full of wealth. 
You can be full of possessions. You can be full of potential. You know, unused potential is something you can be full of. And if it's unused, it's, it just sits there, you know. You can be full of joy. Full of joy. But understand this. If all you ever are is full of those things, you can feel bloated. You can feel discomfort. And at its worst, you can feel miserable. Because you're just full of them. Something has to give, right? You get it? Something has to, If you're full of food, at some point, the bloating's got to stop. The sense of fullness has got to stop. Something's got to give. We're not going to go any, dig any deeper into that, right? Look, you can be full of wealth. Do you sometimes... Look, I'm a preacher, so I collect quotes and anecdotes from all over the place. And I love hearing what very, very wealthy people who have to say. And when they're just stuffed full of wealth, it's very interesting what they have to say. Because not a lot of happiness is attached to just being stuffed full of wealth. It seems to bring a lot of bloating, a lot of discomfort, a lot of misery. You could be full of it. Something's got to give. What are you going to do with that? You can be full of possessions. You can be full of potential. I've said this before. One of the saddest things for a, a human to do is to die still full of potential. Use it up. If you have potential, it's designed to be turned into something. So look, being full of something is not in itself a destination. There is a purpose to being full of something, and it's to get to a place of overflowing. Hello? Fullness is not a destination. It's the bit before overflowing. That's what it is. And yet, don't we often have a language of fullness? And I mentioned it before in church, particularly, Lord, Lord, just fill me. Lord, fill me. And you even see some TV evangelists in their sparkly suits, don't you? Sparkly suits walking along there to some wonderful music. And they'll come up to people, they'll go, Phil! And then they fall over or something. Phil! They go like that. They have to change it, didn't they? They'll go, overflow. Overflow, now go, get up. Get up, now go serve somebody. That's what they really ought to do. Phil! Fullness is never an end in itself. Uh, one of my... Favorite chapters in the Bible. Uh, I have a few favorite chapters when people sort of let off steam and they're, they're telling people off. I quite like those chapters, right? And Paul the Apostle did that quite a bit. Sometimes he did it subtly and sometimes he did it straight on. And he, he was writing to a church that had a problem with meetings. Not like this because they, were, they just weren't meetings as big as this. Far more smaller spaces, uh, far fewer people. And people were coming together for a worship time and they'd been filled with the Holy Spirit. And like lots of you, they began to, to speak in other languages, in prayer languages, some people call it. Just, just other languages, okay? And, most, and many of us here have got other languages they pray in. And this church in Corinth, they would come together and they would do a lot of that. They would speak in in tongues loads when they came together it's like that you couldn't stop them it's like you lot would come in right and as soon as you walk through the door you'd be speaking in tongues and oh, it's great and you look around each other you'd be saying isn't it great to be full of the lord full of joy full of the spirit I'm, i don't know why i do that there must be it must be 
a scar from the past, maybe, where I've seen some. Just fill me, Lord. Okay. Anyway, so, and, and we're just speaking in tongues, speaking. And Paul writes to this church, right? And he says, stop. Don't, stop, stop doing that. He says, I speak in tongues more than any of you. I love it when Paul says things like that. I speak in tongues more than any of you, but what you are doing is totally inappropriate. There are strangers, there are visitors, there are guests and neighbours and friends coming into your meeting, and they're looking at you thinking you've all gone a little bit loopy. Now, far better, far better, you speak some words they can understand. Overflow into them. What you've got is between you and God. What you've got is between you and God. And it's wonderful. That's for God's spirit dealing with your spirit. So if you, if you want to speak in tongues, you speak in tongues as much as you like. That, that's really great. But if you've got visitors and guests and strangers and they're coming in, far better church, far better church, overflow into them. Speak words they can understand. Speak wonders that they can see. God. Fullness in any sense, naturally, spiritually, is not a destination. It's a place to the next thing. To overflow. I want to be full of joy. But I'm called to overflow with joy. I'm called to spread it. I want to be full of the Spirit. But I'm called to invite people to sense the Spirit of God. I want to be full of resource. I do. But I want to overflow with resource. I want to bless people. Fullness is not a destination. It takes you to the next step. Point three. Emptiness is crucial. Can you say that? Emptiness is crucial. By the way, before I go on to this, let me just say that um, it is possible... To overflow still when you're not full, when you're feeling half empty. It is possible. They go, I, I half filled this glass from the kitchen earlier. It is possible, and that's half full. Okay, there's no way that that glass would say, I'm full. But it is possible to overflow. It just takes an enormous, enormous amount of effort. And human gymnastics, right? One, you have to be stirred a great deal. Right? Um, or you have to get yourself in strange positions and angles. But it is possible. Okay? And that's just the same with us. And let, let me tell you, I've, I've lived like that far too often. Where I've understood that as a human and as a, a child of God, I'm designed to overflow, but I've not even got myself to being in the place where God pours out and you try and overflow but you're not in the place where God pours out and so you try and overflow you wear yourself out you wear yourself out you're stirring and stirring and stirring and someone else comes along with a big spoon and they stir you too and and you're getting worn out and you're you're mentally and emotionally tired and you're spiritually drained and you're physically worn out and yet but you go oh I've spilled out I've done this project I've done this program oh I witnessed to this many people I've done this and actually you're just half full and you're trying to fulfill your purpose. You're trying to fulfill what you were designed for. Overflow. 
but you're only half full. Some of you are probably there this morning. You're trying to do what you were designed for, but the way you live your life doesn't keep yourself. Well, a wise man once said this. If you want opportunities to drop in your lap, you keep your lap where opportunities drop. Right? If you want the Spirit... If you want the Spirit to fill you, then keep yourself where the Spirit fills. And we have to live our life in a way that we are likely, that we are likely for God to resource us. Take yourself to good places. Be with people who encourage you. Read great stuff. Read stuff that fills you. Don't do a lot of stuff that empties you. Assess your life. Make sure that you don't live half full because if you live half full and try and produce all that God has designed you to be, you will just wear yourself out. Stirring and stirring and tipping and stirring. We're designed to flow over when we're full. Anyway, why is emptiness crucial? Why is emptiness crucial? Well, simply because emptiness produces this thing called thirst. And thirst is one of God's currencies. Isaiah the prophet, he was uh, trying to teach the people how, how God thought about them and God's desire for them. And he, and he says this really intriguing phrase. He says, um, come, you who have no money... Come buy and eat. Right? Actually, he starts, come you who are thirsty. You who have no money, come buy. How can you buy and eat with no money? Well, because the, the currency isn't pounds and pence or euros or dollars. The currency is thirst. You want to be full? You want to receive what God has? Then we thirst. It's a great currency to have. And no one thirsts quite like a, a half full person or an empty person. And there are seasons in our life. We all go through seasons in our life. None of us will feel full all the time. None of us will feel like we're overflowing all the time. We go through seasons where we feel empty. Go through seasons where we feel not up to the brim, and we need to thirst for more and thirst for God. So emptiness is crucial because it produces a desire to be full. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'm sure a few people feel empty today or half full. I say I wasn't going to ask for a show of hands, but our superb volunteer, she's there, she's going Jesus says, come to me. Come to me if you're tired, burnt out, worn out, weary, heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Let's just pause a minute, shall we? Just right now. Let me just close your eyes.
Holy Spirit, I just ask that right now. You would help people understand something about themselves. Help them understand how they sit with you. Help them understand that they were designed for overflow. They were designed for spilling over. And yet I also ask, Lord, that you would see them as they are. See their heart. See their emptiness. And would you cause thirst to rise? Don't let your children live by burning themselves out. By having to do spiritual gymnastics just to bless people. By not having to be stirred so much it hurts. Create a thirst, Lord, even today. chapter 2 we read it right at the beginning going to return to it now the birthday of the church there were 100 odd people in this upper room and uh, Jesus had told them to wait and he said I'm going to send my friend the Holy Spirit he's going to come upon you and that's what they did and, and they were waiting they were of one accord and they were asking and they were praying and they were waiting and the Holy Spirit came and filled the house where they were what did it do to the house it filled it what did it do to the house it filled it, and then the story goes on. It said, tongues like a fire came on, settled on them, on them, and each of them was something with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Wasn't that great? The house was full, and they were full. End of story, right? End of story? No? The house was full, and they were full. Surely that's it. Big line, full stop, end of story. No? No. What happened? It says this. There were loads of people, thousands of people in Jerusalem that day, of every tribe, of every kin, of every language. Such a, a great cacophony of noise, of languages going on. What was the purpose of their filling? This is what happened. They overflowed from the upper room. What did they do? They overflowed from the upper room. Look, being full is not a destination. The house was full. They were full. The next thing is the Holy Spirit caused them to overflow from the upper room. And what was the result? Everyone. Everyone heard the goodness of God. The glories of God. The praising of God in their own language. In their own language. Let me remind us as Pentecostals, our desire as Pentecostals is not to be full of the Holy Spirit. It is to overflow so that people see and understand the glory of God and let him do it however he wants we are designed for overflow and that's why in two weeks we're going to be celebrating certain things that new life gets up to but let me leave you with this thought don't celebrate your fullness rejoice in the effect of your overflow don't celebrate your fullness. That's just what you were designed for. Don't do it. But rejoice in the effect of your overflow. 
Wouldn't it be great one day when you meet Jesus face to face and you're in the queue? It's a million miles long. I don't know how it works. I have no idea how it works. You meet Jesus face to face. And when you look at him and he looks at you, I don't know whether this will work. Jesus, I'm so full. I don't know whether that will work. I think he might move you to one side and see. Let's see where you've overflowed. Let's see who you've touched. Let's see what you've worked. Let's see who you've let see me. Let's see where you've shone. Let's see where you've flowed. Let's see your overflow. So new life. Even though we celebrate what we get up to as individuals, let us be people who realize we're designed for overflow. My cup overflows. My cup overflows. Where does it overflow? In a valley of death. Where does my cup overflow? In the presence of my enemies, my cup overflows. Thanks for listening to this message from New Life in North Lincolnshire. To find out more, do visit us online at newlifechurch.uk or why not pay us a visit? We'd love to see you.